0: This week on the Happy Half Hour.
1: It is such a full circle kind of moment for the franchise, and it's really cool that Frank Reich, I mean, he made a point of it during OTAs and minicamp that he wanted to incorporate these guys, bring them here. I mean, he's, he's holding up his end of the bargain. They're showing up, and it's it's absolutely awesome to see them interact with the current team. Touchdown, Carolina! Carolina!
0: It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends, Kristen Balboni, Augusta Stone, and Darren Gans. All right. Good morning, everybody. I think it's morning. I think it's Thursday, question mark. I think it's the day after FanFest. Yes, we are in Charlotte. It is post-Fan Fest, post-FanFest, pre-another week of training camp. I'm Darren. She's Augusta. This is the Happy Half Hour. Welcome to it, Augusta.
1: Good morning. Good morning. I we talked about what day of the week it was before we started recording because, to be honest with you, every day it, it all feels like every day of the week, and also none of them. Yeah. Like I, I don't know where we are. Thursday is kind of like a Saturday now because we're in the the lull between the four day the four day weeks. Frank Reich talked about it last night, and I was like, "You're no, you're right. Camp is being split up like that, but it doesn't." So it just kind of like. I guess, herky-jerks your way through the whole week. So here we are.
0: <laughs> Frank, has, Frank has rent the bonds of time <laughs> by creating four-day weeks instead of seven-day weeks. Um, <laughs> there is nothing tradish about this schedule. Hey. So he's also taken some liberties with the English language. We'll get into FanFest and all the stuff we've learned in training camp in a second, but I just need to start there because that shook me last night. When we are sitting there and, you know, I had asked Frank about Camus Grugier-Hill with another interception, his third of camp, and in the context of Shaq Thompson was talking about him the other day, and he said, the way that guy's making plays, we got to get him on the field. So I asked Frank, I said, with the way this defense is set up, I mean, Shaq and Frankie are pretty entrenched. I said, is there a way to use somebody like that within the scope of the system? And Frank goes on to talk about, you know, the way the – Camus made plays that kind of thing and he said, "Not everything has to be tradish."
1: <laughs> it was so good. It was it was so good the way he delivered it that nobody in that packed media room yeah. even noticed it. Like and then it ends and we all kind of look at each other and we're like, "Did did he just drop yeah. like the newest like slang term of 2023, tradish? Right. I love it."
0: I I need to go talk to his daughters or something to see if this is a thing he says a lot or if there are other conventions that he is using or, you know, breaking conventions, I guess you could say. But uh, who knew Frank Reich, linguistic pioneer, he is uh, out there inventing words and saying stuff that I was not expecting a 61-year-old Frank Reich to say, so...
1: the best part of it all was whenever you asked Jeremy Chin about his role which i mean it, it was so perfect that yeah. he's out here saying a non tradish way and then we bring in probably the one of the more non tradish role players on the defense and then you found just a beautiful way to yeah. ask the question Jeremy Chin as earnest as ever yeah and is i and i just asked <laughs> jeremy I
0: said, I said jeremy frank was just in here and he 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 uses this word tradition. Do you think of Frank as someone who uses words like that, or does he do it a lot? And Jeremy just deadpan looks straight at me and he says, "I don't even know what that means."
1: <laughs> it's beautiful. It makes so, you think that it was one of those. You know, it was late after Fan Fest. We've been doing practices early. That kind of delirium, like. Plus, Frank, I'm sure he was like, oh, my goodness, here I go, you know.
0: <laughs> I truly am curious now, and I this is my journalistic vow to you, our listeners of the Happy Half Hour and our readers of Panthers.com. We're going to find out more about this. If there are other things Frank Reich says, I just, I mean, Frank Reich has big dad joke energy, and he and I are of an equivalent generation or at least nearby each other, generally generationally. So I I feel like we can kind of communicate in dad joke, and he, you know, I think there's more there. I think we've got to get to the bottom of this and, and see what else he's dropping in staff meetings or team meetings or... Or what? Because that one caught me quite by surprise. That was not anything I was expecting. That'll go down in the lexicon, along with John Fox's He Picked a Bad Day to Have a Bad Day. Ooh! Um, it's going to be the great one-liners in, in stadium history. That And Frank Reich describing something as tradish is definitely going to be up there. So, so good. Other than that, other than his stylings with the English language... Is there, Has there been anything, or, or I guess we should just start with FanFest, because that was last night. Yeah. As you kind of took in that practice, and a lot of times FanFest is almost glorified walkthrough. They're out there in shorts and shells and running around, and as long as somebody throws the ball deep every now and then, fans seem to enjoy that. But last night was a little bit closer to an actual football practice. As you kind of watch that thing, in the context, Augusta, of what we've learned in the last week and a half, was there anything last night that kind of jumped out at you?
1: Yeah, I think one of the main things was, again, we saw, I think, we talked about it a lot. It may become not a tired storyline, but just the locked-in nature of Bryce Young, and it was really cool to see kind of in the place where he's going to end up playing You know, all of his games here. Um, I think there were – I was talking with one of my friends in the press box, but the way the crowd erupted every time they completed a pass, it was just – Ha ah, ah. and you get to see the fanfare of it all. I think my favorite thing about FanFest is that especially this year, because it was a great crowd, it feel it felt, you know, football is back, everything is everything is grand, but um no, I mean Bryce Bryce is comfortably, obviously QB won, which we knew before we even got to training camp, and then Frank Wright just went ahead and squashed that bug first day. And uh he was out there, he was in command, he was making passes or making throws. I think um DJ Chark caught his, you know, A daily big catch. Uh, DJ Chark is just uh, the star of camp in a way that all the fans, you know, light up the second he catches the ball, and he's always doing some sort of aerobics, whether it's bending his back or turning around or just he's he's really flashing. It was a lot of the, and again, a lot of the same. I know you talked about Kamu, but I mean his third pick. It's like. Basically, we took what we've been seeing in Spartanburg, brought it here, very similar. And that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's showing that consistency. I mean, it looked like it had looked, and now it's, you know, on the field, on the turf, in front of all the, all the fans. I thought it was really cool.
0: Yeah, speaking of nomenclature I'm not particularly comfortable with, I'm still a little bit at odds with QB1. <laughs> I, I'm still not on board with QB1. I'm not sure uh, we really needed to shorten starting quarterback in that way but apparently that's a thing that's taken a hold is that generational
1: that's a young person thing gotta be i think it has a lot to do with texting too because i think i've probably texted or typed out qb1 more than i say it it's like sometimes if i'm if if i say something funny or you say something funny i'll say lol to you it's the same thing it's like we started speaking like that like lol omg qb1 by9 bryce young nine
0: B-Y-9, that's I'm, another I'm, one? I'm
1: pinning it. No, I've never heard it, but I'm pinning it right now on the Happy Half Hour. Oh,
0: okay. Call <laughs> calling your shot. B-Y-9. Like, you're like Frank Reich. You're just inventing new words as you go along. <laughs>
1: no. Me... This is
0: not nom. There are rules. I um, love it. At but any yeah. rate, <laughs> at any rate. No, I always get a kick out of FanFest because FanFest is probably, along with training camp, if you're if you're not able to get to Spartanburg, and, and again, I've said it before, said it again, Everybody should make that trip at some point in their life. If you haven't been 90 minutes down the road, if you're in the greater Charlotte area here, um, easy to get to. Traffic's not that bad. The mm-hmm. construction is not nearly as bad as it's been in past years. So it's pretty accessible. You get to see the players in a in a different kind of way. You're up close. You get to see them before and after practice when they're walking in and out, and everybody's in a pretty good mood. Mm-hmm. So it, I just think from a fan standpoint, it's it's – having that kind of close contact with these guys, because this is the last chance you're going to get. Once a regular season starts, football teams are basically sequestered, and mm-hmm. they're not out there where you can see them and touch them and talk to them and laugh with them, that kind of thing. So I, I think training camps need neat, and FanFest has that same kind of energy. I mean, you look up in the crowd, and you see one of the long-timers like Joan. She's up there with her big Frank head uh, up in the crowd, and everybody's just having a good time, and there was an energy. And uh, – Listen, I know it's easy for people to get caught up in the new every offseason. I mean, whether it's Detroit, whether it's Miami, whether it's Houston with a brand-new quarterback, every team is sitting there right now saying, hey, I really like where we're at. There's an enthusiasm here. There's an excitement. And it's natural for every team to feel that way right now. But right now with the Carolina Panthers, that sense of optimism is tangible. I mean, you don't have to watch practice long. You don't have to turn around and survey the crowd, and those crowds in Spartanburg have been huge. I mean, since we did this last, I mean, that first day of camp down there, people were lined up at 5.30 in the morning before practice – before the gates opened at 9 for a ten fifteen practice to get in to see this football team. And it's been a minute since we've been there, and I think – the combination of what Frank's brought, uh, you know, so much excitement with Bryce Young. It, there's just a different feeling now. The other day at Back Together Saturday, just seeing the way fans responded to realizing Chris Gamble was in the house, yeah. the great old cornerback from the teams of the 2000s, who is moving back to the Charlotte area and is, is going to kind of get entrenched here again. Uh, seeing Seeing Charles Johnson, seeing Mike Rucker and those guys – milling around even from them talking to them on the sidelines you can sense that something's cooking here you can sense that they want to be around it they want to see it because there is a thing happening
1: well you wrote down the roster of people who were here yesterday being honored yeah. before fanfest 24 was the official count i 24 think 24 legends 24 in the house. legends and i mean they just kept rolling out the names kept you know i mean it was so cool to me like k1 short was there we had a uh, who was mike rucker was there um, on and on. Trey, Captain Munnerlyn, Trey, Trey Boston around on was the he was over there fist bumping fans and signing autographs in the stands. Yeah. I saw like it was it was so cool. I mean, it's it's. I mean, not to belabor the Frank Reich, you know full circle moment but you have all of this you know nostalgia coming in you know all the legends being honored they're around all the time luke Keekley was at practice the other day i mean he's around all the time but he yeah. was there in spartanburg you know uh steve smith showing up and doing really awesome features with jonathan mingo which you can see on panthers.com in the rookies.
0: O- on the grill, awesome Steve and Moussin Muhammad yes. out there. Awesome. You know, I chopping mean, it up with Mingo.
1: It is such a full circle kind of moment for the franchise, and it's really cool that Frank Reich, I mean, he made a point of it during OTAs and minicamp that he wanted to incorporate these guys, bring them here. I mean, he's he's holding up his end of the bargain. They're showing up, and it's it's absolutely awesome to see them interact with the current team. This, You know, I mean, you look around the field, and like you said, there's a lot of changes. I mean, the whole offense, right. other than the offensive line, is brand new guys. A lot of them are rookies and young guys, and it's so exciting. I think it's the time where we're marrying the past with the present, and they're all kind of getting in, like you said, on the excitement going on right yeah. now, and I thought the Legends thing was awesome. I just wanted to give a shout-out for that, because that was so cool. Right? Yeah, Jeremy
0: Kelly and David Monroe, Heather Arledge, those guys are doing a great job, you know, bringing those guys back around shout and then out. making them feel welcome once they're here, so I, I just think that it's, it, it's cool having those guys around, and you could see it. I mean, it's one thing for young guys. I mean, a lot of these guys aren't going to know who Mike Rucker necessarily was. Mm-hmm. Although Chris Tabor knows him because Chris Tabor's father was Mike Rucker's high school football coach back in Missouri.
1: No way. Fun, fun fact. Oh, my goodness.
0: Store that away. That'll, there will be a test later. Um, <laughs> but I was talking to J.C. after the Back Together Saturday practice, and, again, if you're a fan of recent vintage – Chris Gamble was J.C. Horn before J.C. Horn. I mean, he was a big, tall, fast, rangy corner, supremely athletic. Now, Chris wasn't as thick as J.C. He wasn't necessarily as physical as J.C., but Chris played at a, Chris played at a consistently high level as you can possibly play without ever making a Pro Bowl, which still kind of surprises me. But Chris was just so consistently good for such a long time. And and J.C. was like, hey, I remembered watching him play against my dad. I remember those games. I remember seeing them go back and forth. And, you know, part of that is J.C. Horn watches a lot of football. Mm -hmm. But part of that is there's a respect among players. And there is a very real sense of I can learn things from Chris Gamble in J.C. Horn. And it was cool listening to him talk about – you know, catching up with him before practice and just talking about the game itself. And and so I think from that standpoint, beyond the sheer nostalgia of it, yeah. which is, and nostalgia is the most powerful drug in sports, um, yeah. I think beyond that, there is something for the players to gather from it. I mean, Shaq talked about, you know, seeing Charles Johnson and remembering what it was like during the 2010s when things were... When things were better and those guys were going good, there's there's something to it. And when those guys are around, it, it means something.
1: Exactly. What also plays into the coaching staff a lot of them yep. being former players themselves. Some of them former Panthers. You know, I mean, I one image that I can't get out of my head that I just think is so cool is Josh McCown signing interview or signing autographs after practice. I mean, he's you know just about as popular as some of the guys on the roster because I mean he's a face in himself and he's on over here on the staff. Stuff like that's just really really cool to me. Yeah. And that's again just an extension of all the football knowledge is a lot of on-field knowledge with the staff and with the guys coming in. So that's I mean, you know, can't get can't get much more, you know, from the source than that.
0: Right. No doubt. The other thing I wanted to touch base on in this podcast, and and again, there's going to be a lot of Bryce Young content this training camp. <laughs> this just in, people are excited about the kid, want to know everything about him. And, and you had a chance last week to kind of catch up with the young family, mom and dad, Craig and Julie. Been there every day during practice so far. They are a, I, we're we're figuring out in a hurry that that's a pretty tight knit crowd, and they have been around camp and. As we've seen Bryce sort of start to get a little more and more comfortable here, he's cracking jokes and stuff. And, you know, there was a lot of talk about his singing at the team meeting the other night when he did the Keisha Cole song. <laughs> My sources tell me that he's maybe not necessarily the best singer.
1: Oh, really? But he's the In best, this crown, One of the best performers. But he
0: is an entertainer. Yeah. He's... he's He's a guy, maybe it's like Sammy Davis Jr, who's a pop culture reference that means nothing to Augustus I Stone. know who that is. Um, I but know. not the best <laughs> singer, but when he's on the stage all eyes are on him. And and that was my report that I picked up from some guys who were in that room that he just kind of knows how to command the room. But in talking to Craig and Julie, That's I mean, were there things they shared with you that kind of Point to that, to, you know, it takes him a minute to get warmed up, but this is kind of who he is?
1: Yeah, well, I will say, and I couldn't find the perfect way to weave this into the story, so this is a perfect little podcast nugget, but his parents were also cracking some jokes with me because this was my third or fourth time interviewing yeah. them. And at one point, you know, I talked about, you know, the closeness of the family and, and, frame my question with that and I can't remember if it was Julie or Craig I think it may have been Julie but she she quips back oh this is just for the media this is just for show and we all start dying laughing because I mean when you say those people have been there every single day of practice I saw them up we actually captured a photo of it in the article they were sitting on the grass with the fans like they weren't even in the family tent every day because they're getting every angle I mean they're there as much as we are I think that's awesome to see but but no I mean I think one of the stories and I let with this in the article that I found very compelling was, you know, they're there a lot, and you can say a lot about the closeness of the family. At the same time, they've done a really good job with kind of the boundary setting, and Bryce told them on his 22nd birthday, it was the day veterans report, big meeting day, he wanted to lock in on being around his teammates so he didn't have the birthday dinner with his family on his actual birthday. He waited until after that practice. I just thought that that was really loud of the type of person he is, but also I think what he needs to do to feel comfortable, right? He wanted to make sure that he was with his teammates, around even though you know it was a pretty big day for him I mean it was the day that he reached the age of everyone else on the roster I'll say that he's the youngest guy but um (laughs) but uh but when he got when he was there you know they said that they wanted to you know respect that and then that was the press conference too where we first noticed that he was cracking jokes and feeling comfortable it's something about the Spartanburg atmosphere I think it's being around your teammates twenty four seven. I think it's eating meals with them, sleeping in the dorms. I mean, sharing, you know, bathrooms and everything. I think it's a whole part of that process. So say what you will about, you know, going to training camp. But I think it's one of those things that helps him feel closer. And then, you know, after he felt settled in, he could go on his birthday dinner. But I, I like that as a one, a token of his leadership, but also a token of he's going to do what he needs to do to feel comfortable and then he'll get there. But um, but yeah, no, I mean they're they're funny folks. I, I loved it whenever I was like, oh, so y'all are here every day, and they're like, oh, this is just this is just for the media. Yeah. It, it made me laugh when they said did, that.
0: Did we find out what he had for the birthday dinner?
1: Oh, because I, I know
0: when when it was pro day, it was the scallops, scallops in right? the
1: salad, which yeah. was a which was an interesting that the Twitter fodder on that. <laughs> oh my goodness, no, no, they 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 have been um they've been coming from Charlotte. I know that, but they probably ate in Spartanburg. But um, they were asking Bryce about. What was it, his Bojangles order? And he mm-hmm. said he liked the Bowberry biscuits. I'm thinking he prefers lighter fare, so maybe like a, a salmon or something like that, I'd say.
0: We, we, uh, once once Lent rolls around next spring, I will teach Bryce Young about the Bojangler mm. and why you should order it on a biscuit instead of a bun. But that's a different podcast for a different day. <laughs> what The other thing I wanted to kind of touch on during this, because, again, there has been so much attention on Bryce Young. And for good reason. He was the number one overall pick in the draft. Yep. But we've been down there basically a, a week and a half or so, although, again, we've lost all concept of time. Um, it's still Thursday, right? I think so. <laughs> um, in the time we've spent in training camp, are there under-the-radar guys who have kind of caught your eye where it's like, okay, that's interesting, or this guy's going to be a contributor that not everybody's talking about?
1: Mm-hmm. Kamu's the one that throws that throws in your face. You think about immediately. That's a great question. Hmm. On the offense, we've seen Chark made a lot of plays. Mingo has his flashing flash moments. Thielen looks as just as good as you'd expect. Okay, I got one. Raheem Blackshear, okay. easy peasy. And and the reason why is because we saw a lot of him last year. He was kind of the the returner, and I think it fell onto him because there were a lot of different. I think pieces that kind of like let him have that opportunity. He did a good job with it. Um, Wrote about that in the offseason. But they've been using him more as a pass catcher than I saw last year. I think that's really interesting. He connected with Andy Dalton in one of Dalton's best throws at camp. Um, uh, Was it this week at some point? Um, But he looks good. I mean, he was one of those guys they brought in sort of later last year, I remember, um, from the Bills, undrafted fella. I think he has a lot of – tools and interesting things that he can do i don't th- think you know he's not a surprise he played a lot last year but i mean he's continuing on that path so i i'm on the i'm on the blackshear camp i think yeah. he looked real good so yeah that's my person he,
0: he's so smooth as a pass catcher he is. And, and that's the thing that's going to keep him on the field just mm-hmm. because you know i think there is going to be it might not be like miles sanders catching 50 balls his rookie year when he was with deuce Staley no. and philly but i i think that that running back whoever it is is going to be a big part of the passing game and because he's so smooth there I think he's he's going to be I I have kind of you know I mean you know me when they put on full pads I I just looked at you the other day and I said I'll be down here watching large people um (laughs) I love watching one-on-ones with with offensive linemen and defensive linemen and This is weird, and I mentioned this in this morning's Training Camp Daily Newsletter. And if you haven't signed up for the Training Camp newsletter, you can go to the Training Camp page at Panthers.com and get this stuff in your inbox every day. It's a full wrap-up of everything we're doing down at Training Camp each day and all the great content that this team's putting together. But I mentioned this in this morning's newsletter. When's the last time you looked at the Carolina Panthers in August and said, man, what a bunch of offensive linemen they've got. That's true. It's been a long, long time. And and as a person who is old, I can tell you it's been years since they've had this kind of depth on the offensive line. Now, the entire line from last year's back, Les Austin Corbett, who's coming off the ACL, although Austin is getting better and was cleared last week for change of direction. So Ooh. he's taken another big step in his recovery. Um, but they've got a lot of dudes over there. Cade Mays has been working with the ones. They're about to get fourth-round pick Chandler Zavala back on the field, maybe in the next couple of days or early next week. He's expected to be cleared soon to get back on the field. But they've got to, and this is way off the menu, but they've got a couple of undrafted rookie offensive linemen in Nash Jensen and J.D. Dorenzo who – I think as the kids say, have that dog in them. Uh, The dog is inside of them or something. I don't know. I'll ask Frank how he says it later. But those two guys appear to be mean. Not necessarily fighting like your guy Jordan Thomas, who seems to get in a scrap every day in practice. But these just they seem to have that kind of on-the-front-foot-leaning-into-people edge that they've been looking for more and more of. I mean, not to say – anything bad about anybody who was here in the past, but it there wasn't a lot of jerks mm-hmm. on this team. There wasn't a lot of edge. And, I mean, I think, like, Von Bell's got that right kind of edge. And, and Nash and Dorenzo are a couple of kids. I think once we get into preseason games and get a chance to see that second offensive line, you're going to see these two dudes because Jensen has been out there You know, subbing in, getting some reps with the ones, you know, rotating in at both the guard spots, and he's a big old boy. I mean, you're talking about 332 pounds of, you know, corn-fed Midwestern North Dakota State bison (laughs) uh, out there, and he looks the part. I mean, he looks like what they're trying to cultivate. And when I think about that offensive line room, I mean, it was two years ago when the former coach said something about it. it was like, I-85, it's under construction. Now, all of a sudden, they're deep. You've got vets like Michael Jordan, who was a 10 game starter, competing for a backup job. You've got Justin McRae, who's an NFL vet. James Campen's had him basically everywhere he's ever been. It drags him from place to place for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, McRae's back there. Sam Tecklenburg, even is a guy who's been around for a little bit and gotten some good experience, they're experienced in the middle. And then you start adding these young guys like Nash and Dorenzo who are going to be in the mix. I mean, when they start cutting this roster and trying to get down to nine or ten offensive linemen, I think it's going to be fascinating because there's some young kids there who are going to make a difference for this team in some fashion.
1: Exactly, and I think that's a testament to James Campin. To be honest, I think he is such an impressive coach with what he's done to the group because you just named off all these people. and. To be able to develop the way he does, to be able to pick the way he has—I mean, you know—I think I think it's I think it's worked out. I mean, that group is already solid, and then behind him they just keep having guys. I think he runs a very very efficient practice. I love watching their individual drills. I think they're so fun to watch. Like you said, I know you like the one on ones, but I just love watching them. I think Campin a testament to him because he's the one that's been able to cultivate this group and make them who they are. And I mean, they've brought in some guys, and like you said, it's going to be interesting to see how they how they actually. Um, Whittle it down because I completely agree. And also, shout out Jordan Thomas. He has been the one <laughs> out there battling. And it was even funnier because I was thinking about it. He was the XFL one that came in, so yep. he's just been on the field. So he's he's revving to go. He's like, I'm out here like it's a game.
0: Well, and I remember I remember when you talked to him back in June. You were like, he seems so nice. He was so pleasant when you talked to him. But man, when he gets on the field, and you see that every now and then in camps, those young guys who've got something to prove are often going a little extra. Yeah, and being a little extra, as me, Frank Reich, and the kids would say, um, <laughs> you know, he, he is always out there in the middle of something. It's so. even funnier
1: because when you see him off the field, he's, like, always grinning. He's one of those that likes yep. to he's – he's a pleasant dude. I love it. It's like a complete 180 because every time you see him and you're like, oh, look, it's 48 again, Jordan Thomas, I'm like, I would have never pinned – I love it. That That's just such a – such a switch, because yeah, when we talked, he was he was tired, but he was giving me great quotes, and we we commiserated both SEC people. His last year at Mississippi State was my first year at Georgia. He remembered how Georgia crushed him that game, and he talks about that. So we, we had a nice yeah. little nice little back and forth, and all this stuff. I'm like, dang, I don't want to don't want to meet you on the wrong side of that yeah. football field. Let me and then you. he gets
0: on the field and <laughs> turns into a serial. Serial killer. It's so, fun. Yeah. It's fun.
1: We love it. Woohoo.
0: <laughs> um, at any rate, okay, so we've got another week of Spartanburg ahead of us. Three days of practice, then a couple of days off, and th- or then a day off, mm-hmm. and then one day of practice by themselves before the Jets roll in. A- in addition to all the circus that's going to be coming with the Jets, which is circus enough on its own— and Aaron Rodgers what are you kind of looking forward to over this last week of the Spartanburg portion of the training camp experience
1: seeing how everyone holds up I'm most excited to see Bryce Young go against a different team a different defense I'm very excited whenever that that matchup I'm really excited for Jets defense versus this this new retool Panthers offense in joint practices because I'm ready to see them kind of against somebody different I'm ready to see the inevitable spice that comes with it um I'm also very excited like you said the the commotion that comes around Aaron Rodgers also Zach Wilson being on that roster still there's just to me it's always going to be interesting and then we have um NFL films rolling in seeing everybody I think the the most the thing I'm most excited about and this isn't even really football related but Aaron Rodgers the person in Spartanburg South Carolina I'm very excited to see what that looks like Right. Um, that's something that you know, my friends and I have quipped about a little bit. Um, so I, I just the the theatrics of all of that is going to push me through this weekend of three pretty tough practices: Friday, Saturday, Sunday, to get you through the excitement of midweek next week when the Jets roll in.
0: Yeah, and, and I really do think I'm curious to see what Rodgers looks like against the Panthers' first defense because mm-hmm. adding Von Bell to that mix has made such a significant difference. Because putting him and Xavier Woods in the back allows Jeremy Chin to play play that nickel, big nickel, dime. He's doing a lot of different stuff, but the short version is he's closer to the line of scrimmage where he can impact plays a little more often. And and Jeremy, being a big guy, he can still run like a lot of corners. So he's doing a lot of different stuff. He creates a lot of matchups. When you look at those three guys, plus, oh, by the way, Dante Jackson and J.C. Horn, that's a really good secondary gang. So, I mean, the idea that Rodgers is going to come in here and spray the ball all over the place, I don't know is necessarily – what you should expect. So I'm curious to see how they come out of that matchup, because that is a really talented group. Um, We've got some stuff coming up that I think fans are going to enjoy reading about that secondary and and Bell's impact on it. But I I just think that group is going to kind of set the tone. We're still, you know, we came into camp wondering who the other pass rusher is going to be. And, you know, Marquise Haynes has been on the shelf with a little bit of a back issue. He should be back soon-ish, if not this weekend. Um, it's not a big deal or anything with him. But they're still sorting through some options there. The tone is going to be set defensively by that back five. And, and there's just so much talent there that I think it's going to be interesting to see once they're matched up with one of the all-timers in Aaron Rodgers uh, to see see what shakes out. Because I think, too, with all those lights, Vaughn is, Vaughn is a tone setter. Of all the things we've learned during training camp, Listening to Von Bell and Duce Staley go back and forth at each other, they keep the juice flowing in practice. And so when those lights and cameras come with the jets, I don't think Vaughn's gonna shy away from this thing.
1: That's what I love. And I I feel like I've gotten on this podcast before when we were talking about, you know, free agency and stuff, and I was just so excited about Von Bell for all the all the different connections, and I followed him when he was with the Bengals, and I just I think he's such a playmaker, and I love that he's coming here and just kind of yeah. showing all of that because I was thinking, I was like, you know, this is one, you know, I've seen some talk about it, but I think it kind of flew under the radar nationally. Not a lot of people were talking about it, and it's like uh, he played in a Super Bowl right. two years ago, and if I recall correctly, he had the pick that sent the Bengals to the Super Bowl because I watched that game. He's, he's, he's a playmaker. He performs. He rises to the moment. He's old. He's a vet, and like you said, He's that guy that that they were not necessarily lacking, but maybe looking for that spice, that extra oomph. He has it. He is a great addition, and I'm very excited to see that. (laughs)
0: He is from your hood, but he is not like you. He does not bring sunshine to the proceedings. He does not bring positive vibes the way you do each and every day
1: we 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 all got it in us that's that's northwest georgia mentality (laughs) don't get me mad i'll say that yes i I would
0: prefer not to (laughs) so anyway well speaking of sunshine tonight tomorrow we're heading back to spartanburg practice will be back i'm sure it'll be hot and humid i keep an eye on the dew point every single day because i'm an old and it's going to be interesting i mean another week of training camp come on down and join us We'll catch you uh, maybe from joint practices. Ooh. We might have to report in with a special joint practice edition of the Happy Half Hour, but uh, we will bring you the latest from the Spartanburg scene soon. With uh, and we'll be close to wrapping up camp at that point. But we'll catch up with you guys on the other side of this thing. We appreciate you joining us this week on the Happy Half Hour.